Welcome to the Gideon Warrior Radio Network. Title of this message is, Where is Isaiah 2's Jerusalem? The old Jerusalem is not the city of Christ's rule. Now that might surprise nearly every Christian, but for at least the past 70 years, from articles and publications that I have read in this time span, we can see prophesying of that old city being the great city of Christ's rule. Since the giving of this land mass to the people called Jews under the United Nations Negotiated Agreement of 1948, it continues to be the subject of much of the church world's future hopes. Indeed, by the end of the 1980s, it could be evident to any observant Christian that the old Jerusalem could not possibly be fulfilling Bible prophecy for the biblical people of Israel by any stretch of the imagination. Isaiah's prophecies begin at about 700 B.C. up until the point of about 681 B.C. Isaiah's name, in fact, means the salvation of Jehovah. In Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah's vision concerning Judah, and specifically those verses that we're going to read later at Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 and Micah 4 verse 1, of what shall come to pass concerning this entity or city called Jerusalem in this scripture. I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 1, Beginning at chapter 1, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel does not know, my people does not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, they are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more, the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire, your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it's desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of your God, you people of Gomorrah. Dropping on down to verse 15. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. 
Wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says Yahweh. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken it. How is the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it, but now murderers. Thy silver is become dross, thy wine mixed with water, thy princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loves gifts and follows after rewards. They judge not the fatherless, neither does the cause of the widow come unto them. Therefore, says Yahweh, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will ease me of mine adversaries, and avenge me of mine enemies. End quote. So here we have in these verses in chapter 1, 1 to 15, basically lays out the charge or the indictment against Judah. And why is it any surprise for us today as we witness rulers in defiance of God and His will, so that when He observes the hands of the people spread forth in prayer, He is moved to cover His eyes and even His ears so He cannot hear? All he can see when looking is blood dripping from those outstretched hands. How shall he bless? How shall he heal the blood-stained land? How consistently Yahweh is in showing Judah and Israel as a whole the foundational elements and causes of their distorted association with him. Listen again to verse 4. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, they are gone away backward. He conveys right there in that passage the actual passage of the iniquity from parent to children in corruption. A sinful nation laden with iniquity, he says. And when I speak of distorted associations with God, consider Christian America. We profess God-given rights while simultaneously rejecting God-required and ordained obligations. I'm not going to divert here at this time, but however, when you reread verses 16 and 17, you see that it requires putting away the evil doings, ceasing of doing evil, seeking judgment. So just exactly how are we to seek or to do judgment? Well, it tells us to judge the fatherless, plead for the widow, relieve the oppressed. And when you turn to Jeremiah chapter 22, you see the same thing. Quote, Execute judgment and righteousness. Deliver the spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor. End quote. 22 verse 3. But aside from the work which needs to be done in reform, the only cleansing of this blood could be through God. And that promise is revealed at verse 18 as Yahweh exhorts to reason together that by willing obedience Judah could eat of the good 
but in rebellion be devoured with the sword. Now as we get into chapter 2, here we are going to read of a prophesied mountain. Let's read 2 verse 1. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It is clear that the prophesied mountain of Yahweh, and if you read that with the the name of our God in that passage the way it should be, it says, and it shall come to pass, verse 2, in the last days, that the mountain of Yahweh's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. It can only be His only begotten Son. In fact, if we go to John 3.16, Psalms 2.7, and Matthew 3.17 and 17.5, it's clear as a bell. So one thing that we need to understand is the assignment of the prophet. The assignment of the prophet is to interpret the judgments of Yahweh and bring people to awareness of it and mercy that he is about to give to whom he will. And he does this centuries before it occurs. Let's turn over to Micah chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Yahweh shall be established in the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow unto it. In recapping what we learn from Isaiah 2.3 and Micah 4.2 the words latter days and last days means the days to come as in or to flow from the days of the Messiah. This mountain of Yahweh is to be established above or atop the mountains and exalted above the hills. But note, and all nations shall flow unto it. Verse 3, Isaiah chapter 2 again, out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. It is in these passages that the church world has taught that in the future this Jerusalem refers to the Jerusalem today, this geographical landmass of present-day Israel. Their expectation is that the Jews will be coming forth teaching the law of Yahweh to the nations. In fact, the last 50 to 75 years have produced nothing of the sort. The Jews haven't even tried to teach the law of God to nations. It could even be argued they neither teach it or practice it, and instead work against it wherever it is blossoming. The mountain of Yahweh is clearly the prophecy pertaining to Christ. The Lord's house, or Yahweh's house, is his people Israel. 
and as followers of Christ, Hebrews 3.6, it is this dispensation period that Isaiah refers to. This time when Christ is raised above and the other mountains of God, that is the nations, would flow unto this chief mountain which is Christ. In Bible scripture, many know mountains equal nations. In fact, Christ even said, by faith in Christ, we can toss a mountain into the sea. This time when Christ is to be raised above all the other mountains of God and nations that would flow unto this chief mountain which is Christ is precisely as Daniel prophesies of at Daniel 2.34 and 5. So massive would be the flow that many people would come saying, Let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. It is well established even a modest number of converted Judahites in Jerusalem does not, did not, and cannot constitute a Jerusalem which is to be interpreted as ancient biblical Jerusalem. It never happened between the time of Isaiah's prophecy here in Isaiah chapter 2 and the destruction of Jerusalem and the dispersion from it in 70 AD by the Romans or after. If the Jews as we know them today were true Judahites, according to the scripture, there would have had been multitudes flowing unto the religion of Judaism, Phariseeism. This was not and never has been the case where whole nations far or near have flowed unto a Jewish nation which not only did not exist by the hand, will, or power of God but by the hand, will, and force of men. The only place one can find evidence of these prophecies' fulfillment is in the multitude of nations which received this good news of Jesus, the Son of God, and came to once again want and desire to walk in his paths and abide in his ways. It is this way of Christ which has drawn the nations into civility, not Jewish Judaism, not Buddhist Hinduism, and not Mohammedan Muslimism. How can, quote, all people, described by Isaiah, flow unto a nation called modern Israel or a city in it called Jerusalem when they allow no citizenship to anyone but Jews. It is only the Christian nations which have far exceeded Isaiah's vision of walking in the paths from which out of Zion has gone forth his law and the word of Yahweh. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24, verses 44 to 47. And he said unto them, quote, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He said unto them, 
Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem, until you be imbued with the power from on high. End quote. At verse 47 we see specifically that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, not ending at Jerusalem. Do today's Jews preach repentance and remission of sins in Jesus' name? No, they do not. And no, they have not. Additionally, you should note, not only is this law to go forth out of Zion, but the word of Yahweh. It is Moses and the prophets that is that word. So, now, how about a question? Who are these nations, the prophecy says, the mountain of Yahweh, this Jesus, is to be established at the top of? Glad you asked. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 13. Now I'm going to select a few verses from Acts 13. Don't be alarmed, I'm not taking anything out of context, but for the sake of time, I'm going to read Acts 13, verse 16, 17, 23, 4, 6, and 7. 16, 17, 23, 4, 26, and 27. Let's go. Correction, I'll start at 15 for context. 13, 15. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, You men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Verse 16. Then Paul stood up, and beckoning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and you that fear God, give audience. Verse 17. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers, and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a high arm brought he them out of it. Verse 23. Of this man's seed has God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, Verse 26 and 7. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you fears God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled in them in condemning him. End quote. Now, Paul is telling us exactly who these nations are that Jesus is to be the head mountain of, and that he is to be the top of these mountains. Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to read verse 6 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 10, verse 6 and 23. Correction. I'll read 5 for context. 
These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, meaning nations. We've gone over that in the seven-part series, Israel, Judah, and Jew. Go not into the way of the nations, and into any city of the Samaritans enter you not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right. Once again, Jesus is telling the disciples where they are to go and what is the manner of their purpose and mission. Verse 23. But when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Once again in Matthew 10.6, the house of Israel, the Gentiles, as used in the verse 5, is ethnos. It means a race, a nation, the nations, as distinct. Therefore, they are to go not to nations, not Israel. Or, as verse 6 clearly clarifies, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is not insignificant and is very, very instructive. Are we to believe that the apostles disobeyed Jesus' direct command and commission? You see, God uses old names or references and affixes new meanings and intentions frequently. We see it with the names of Syria, Babylon, Egypt, Sodom, Gomorrah, and even David. As we saw in Isaiah, his reference to them as Sodom and as Gomorrah, he didn't in any way intend that they were the old city Sodom or the old city Gomorrah, which had already been destroyed. No, indeed. It's a reference to them as Sodom and Gomorrah. So having meanings and affixing or referencing using old names is frequently done. In fact, Zechariah is writing some 70 years after Jerusalem's destruction by Babylon, and so we can't attribute the prophecy to the rebuilding under Ezra and Nehemiah. In fact, in the book of Zechariah, Verses chapter uh, verses 14 to 17 of chapter 1 are frequently cited by the church world as indicative or pointing to a future or end time closing or choosing of Jerusalem by God for his rule. Let's just go there and read that. Verse 14, chapter 1. So the angel that communed with me said unto me, Cry thou, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with a great jealousy, and I am very sore displeased with the heathen that are at ease, for I was but a little displeased, and they helped uh, forward the affliction. Therefore, thus says Yahweh, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Cry yet, saying, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad, and the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, and shall yet choose Jerusalem. End quote. Verse 17 clearly dispels that meaning, because the answer of God to the question from the angel God specifically says, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad. 
those cities can be none other than those Jesus instructed the disciples to go. How do we know this? Look at chapter 2, 1-4. to And I quote, I lifted up mine eyes again, and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then said I, Whither goest thou? And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem, to see what is the breadth thereof, and what is the length thereof. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him, and said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. This Jerusalem here is so large, an angel is measuring it. But more importantly, Zechariah is told it will be inhabited as towns without walls for the multitude of men and cattle therein. Where is the multitude in present-day Jerusalem that is so full of people and cattle? It simply can't be referring to the old city of Jerusalem. Flip forward a little bit farther in Zechariah in chapter 8. We're going to go to verse 6, 7, and 8. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, If it be marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of this people in these days, should it also be marvelous in my eyes, says Yahweh of hosts? Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, in truth and in righteousness. Now we learn that Yahweh says, Behold, I will save my people and bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. Again, it's important to note this is in reference to both the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Verse 13 conveys this quite clearly, and I quote, It shall come to pass that as you were a curse among the heathen, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. And drop down to chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king comes unto thee. He is just, and having salvation, lowly riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the heathen, and his dominion shall be from sea even to sea, and from the river even to the ends of the earth. End quote. At the height of Jewish migration into Israel, in the twenty-five to thirty years after its formation under the Jews, that migration paled in comparison to the vast migrations of the tens of millions of Christians into North America and built unwalled cities in the tens of thousands. Remember from Isaiah 2.3 many people would want to go up to the mountain of Yahweh to the house of the God of Jacob, Israel, where his ways were being taught and out of Zion 
did come forth his law, and the word of Yahweh was spoken. The place that this has been done is throughout the nations of the Anglo-Saxon, Germanic, Celtic, Scandinavian, and kindred peoples, as it is from these which has spread that word to all others. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 38 to 39, in fact, Jesus tells us that that house is going to be left desolate. And at verse 41, he passes the sentence on the temple. And of course, we know that it did in in fact happen in A.D. 70. Both the book of Acts, Matthew 6, even church history, it records that the apostles' travels were indeed a fulfillment of the prophecy to be obedient to Christ's words, they must have gone where he told them, or they simply disobeyed. And if they obeyed, they went to biblical Israel in the lands of Europe. It is these people who have printed and translated Bibles into some 2,000 languages and dialects. Was it the Jews that did this? No, my friends, it was not. This is the reason that Europe and America have the targets on them, because this is where the word came from. This is the Jerusalem. These are the cities. This is that land of the new Jerusalem that needed an angel to measure it. I hope this now can help you to better see that the church world has been wrong in teaching future day prophecies about words and doctrine which is not in accordance with prophecy and the word of God.